He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. Although, he's had a four and two threes on this hole. He's going to be at least three shots ahead. Welcome to Bros and Birdies, a golf podcast that aims to bring the golf news, chatter and guests from every walk of the golfing world. And we aim to pick the winners of the golf tournaments on the PGA, DP World and Live Tours. On the show this week, we'll be looking back at Teagate, Treegate. Yes, it all went on in Dubai. And we'll also be looking back at the farmers on the west coast of America where there was a homer run. We'll be having all the previews and picks for this week's tournaments in the Ras Al Khaimah on the DP World Tour, the Saudi International on the Asian Golf Tour, and also the Pebble Beach Pro-Am on the PGA Tour. Plus, we'll be having just general chatter about the world of golf. Plus, we have a special guest. It's Lee Crumbleholm from winninggolfmind.com, a golf psychologist who's worked with the stars across all tours on the golfing circuit. Right, to do all this, we need Big Bro, so let's get him in. Hello, bro. How are you doing? Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to this week's episode. Oh, it's. It, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And we're gonna we're gonna have lots to talk about. Obviously, last week at Teagate, Treegate, Ramsgate, Margate, whatever you want to say. Right? There's lots of gates going on. Tournament was fantastic last week. I love that tournament in Dubai. I'm not really that enamoured by the tournament over the PGA Tour this week, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, three courses again. And Anyway, but we can get in, we can have a chat about that. But let's crack on, get on with it, and talk about, well, where else to start? Let's talk about what happened in Dubai. Well, when in Dubai, that's all I'm saying. <coughs> it was right. a phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. And let's, let's just get that word out there straight away. It had everything, right? I tell you what, I was I was so looking forward to the Hero Dubai Desert Classic because we had everything. We had all the live players returning, obviously because they you know they don't have the restrictions on restrictions on them like the PGA Tour do, and we had you know some of the best of you know DP World Tour PGA Tour players. It was just it was build up to be a brilliant tournament and it did not fail. It was absolutely superb. We all know what happened. We all know Rory McIlroy won. Um, and, but it was everything that went on during the whole week. We had weather delays. We had, as you say, tea gate, we had tree gate. Well, let's, let's, let's thing. set it up. Let's set it up for the listener. If you've been hiding under a rock or you've just landed from Saturn or Uranus, um, Let's tell the people what went on. Yes, there were delays and what have you. Patrick Reed was it was on the driving range. Rory was there. Patrick went over to say hello to Rory and to Harry's caddy. Shook Harry's hand. Uh, Rory ignored him. And Patrick Reed had a branded live tea and sort of chucked it to the floor. The press blew it out of all proportion. Said he chucked a tea at Rory. Oh, this went on. That went on. And anyway. So that got it all going, saying, oh, come on, can we please get these guys paired up? No, it was looking like it for round three. Then they were separated, possibly for round four. Didn't happen. We nearly got the playoff. 
but then Rory went and made the birdie down the last to win the tournament for the third time. So he's got three of those big, gigantic um, Arab bars, teapots, whatever you want to call them. And it was, yeah, it did have everything. It had the live players in there. And it's interesting. I don't know what your opinion is. I think it makes the DP World Tour, and we've said this, we said this a long time ago on Bros and Birdies. Kelly should have just aligned himself with Live Golf because I know they're under the, the hammer from Monaghan and the PGA and the Lynch mob and what have you, and Brandel Shambles. But if they'd done that, we would see a lot more of what we saw last week. That was some great golf, great golfers, a bit of bite, great drama, great television. No, oh, absolutely. And, and I'm sure it's, you know, if it was that simple, it would have been. But it isn't, you know, and we've got what we've got in terms of the whole strategic alliance. But it, it just shows, doesn't it, with, you know, those live players in these tournaments. It adds that little bit of spice, but also that quality golf you know, and we saw Patrick Reed was up there fighting down the stretch. We had Ian Poulter was there for a long time. Unfortunately, double bogeyed the last. Blandy, again, still playing some absolute brilliant golf. Justin Harding and, and a whole host of other players. But it just made for a great tournament. <laughs> and that whole, you know, at the start of the week with that whole Rory and Reed thing, it, it just couldn't have been scripted any better. It was just, it was unbelievable. And obviously, a storm in a teacup, as Rory called it, um, which is largely what it was. Could have been a lot worse, but wasn't. But it wasn't just the tea gate, was it? We had tree gates as well. Oh. We had a, a ruling. Um, but it wasn't just one ruling. You know, I mean, obviously, we had the Patrick Reed situation on the short par four 17th with the ball stuck in the palm tree. Um, you know, the wrong one. And, and he was absolutely 100% sure that was his ball in that wrong tree. Um, you know, and we, so we had that playing out. The rules official, again, didn't do anything wrong, really, because they were told that was the tree that it was in. But it wasn't the only ruling. We also had Rory McIlroy, didn't we, in round one on the par 5 13th with a, you know, who knows whether it was a, a wrong ruling. Did he drop it in the fairway wrongly? You know, it's, it's one of those difficult ones. And I know you've had some Twitter exchanges out there, as you normally do, um, you know, where people have questioned that, you know, maybe the the thoughts that you were conveying were, were wrong because nobody really knew the trajectory of the ball. But it just had everything. It was, yeah, it was brilliant. I want to take it back to next week, last week. Yeah, it's for me. Right. So let's let's break down Patrick Reed's incident. So he's standing on the tee. The trees are, are, what, 280 yards or so, give or take. Now, there are three trees in a bunch separated by, I don't know what, 15 feet, 15 feet, five yards. Yeah, whatever. So the balls come flying over there. Patrick Reed has walked down and then he's looked up. And let's say, I know Patrick Reed has brought this on himself, really, right? what happened, whether it's the sand incident, the, the Torrey Pines embedded ball in the ground incident, his general attitudes, Justine. Anyway, whatever it is, he's brought it on himself, really. But I think on this occasion, and I got a bit of abuse for this, that he honestly thought that his ball was in the second tree. Now, no one 
Yes, they had the cameras that showed the ball looked like it going into, it was lost its flight when it went into the first tree and held up in those sort of prongs or forks or branches, whatever you want to call them, right? So he's walked down there, bearing in mind, it's quite hard to see which tree in five yards your ball has gone into. You just hear it make a noise, right? So he's gone down. He thinks he's seen his ball up there. He hasn't done anything wrong to this point, apart from probably generally thinking that his ball is in that tree. He's then looked up and said, look, I think that's my ball. It's Pro-V, my markings, blah, blah, blah. Binoculars come out, not bird watching. It's not Tony Johnson. And I'll come to Tony Johnson in a little while. But he's looked up, the ref or the official, and he has confirmed what Patrick Reed has said. Patrick Reed said, my markings are this, my ball is this. They've looked up and they've done it. Ruling done, taken a drop, played it out the rough. For me, I don't if that was any other player, bro, any other player on the tour, I don't think anything would have been said about it. Probably not. No, you're probably right. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Is And I think, you know, Patrick Reed, I think, instigated a little bit of the confusion because, you know, how can anybody from that distance with reasonable certainty say, I'm 100% sure that is my ball? I mean, that, 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 that was one of the biggest talking points. You can't. So you can only go on guesswork. One of the things I said on Twitter as well was, well, we have the age of the TV camera now. Can one of the rules officials not confirm with the TV cameras which tree it actually went into? Yeah, VAR. happened before. Well, we have. We've seen it in other tournaments where the, the camera footage, the TV footage has been used to either try and confirm a, a line or a trajectory of a ball you know, certainly if it's gone across some water and they're trying to find or where it went in and stuff, we've had that. So why could we have not had that in this case? Given the time that it took, it wouldn't have actually been that difficult. But <clears throat> regardless, the rules official didn't do anything wrong. They've they've made a decision based on what was put before them. And Reed was very clever in the, the use of his words and how he put it to the official. But you, I think you're right, is if... If it had been any other player, it probably wouldn't have been um, a big talking point. So let's get on to the Rory one. You mentioned it, 13th hole, round one, par five. Hits his second shot, right? And I've watched this shot over and over again online. And so I've got abuse saying that you know, he faded the ball in and it went across the, the water at an angle so he could take the drop onto the fairway. No, it didn't. I watched this shot, and you look at Rory's lean. As soon as Rory hits that second shot, he automatically leans left, knowing that he's pushed the ball right, right from the outset, not fading it. He's he's pushed the ball right, and it doesn't really leave that course, and it goes straight towards the water. Okay? Now, I actually didn't see the ball go into the water, if I'm completely honest. You, you slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. It looks like it comes into the rough where that board is, the, the advertising hoarding. Now, that advertising hoarding, it goes over that line. That was about 20 to third, well, 20 feet from the fairway. But yeah. He's managed to take from the water hazard lateral two club length 
onto the fairway, no closer to the hole, but two lateral club lengths of his driver, and he's managed to take it. He should have been playing, in my eye, should have been playing his fourth shot from the rough by the advertising board. Yeah, I mean, yeah, based on, on the footage that we've seen, absolutely. But again, it's just another example. Uh, you know, I think what you're calling out is Rory got favourable treatment. Exactly, and he, because, because he hasn't awesome. got the reputation. Yeah, he's called penalties on himself before. Rory hasn't got that reputation. Now, I'm not. I'm not suggesting Rory's cheated here by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying that he's mistaken where his ball went into the water. Whether he was told that or not by spectators that prefer Rory than Reed. Anyway, that's different. But he's taken the wrong drop, um, and you know that's. No official was called. He, he did it. He, he said, look, that's where it went in. I've been told. I've taken two loads. That's it. All settled and done. He went on. And he's one by one stroke, right? One by one stroke. And yes, that people could say that Reed should have gone back to the tee and played his third shot from the tee. Um, so, yeah, a lot gone on. It was a hell of a tournament. And I'm just hoping... Now, there was a rumour coming out today. I don't know if you heard it or you saw it on social media. That DP World Tour, knowing that they are going to lose, the rumour is going to lose this case against the Live players. Um, they have made a decision. It's yet to come out. Made a decision to allow Live golfers to play their tournaments and get official world golf ranking points. And the rumour... I'm not sure if this is true, but the rumor says it's because a Saudi donation has been accepted by Keith Pelly and his organization. Alleged. I'm not this might be all proven wrong, but that is the rumor that is out in the golf social media world right now that DP World Tour could be about to allow the live players to play. Well, time time will tell. Let's see. Let let's let, uh, let's let those rumours circulate, soak in, and let's you know try and deal with facts as best as we can in future periods. But that's certainly interesting, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Right. Okay. That's Dubai. Anything else to talk about Dubai before no, we go over and talk about on the numbers? Just quickly on the numbers, bro. Into you know, obviously McElroy won on nineteen under. Um, I was just looking at some of the numbers. I mean, you know, generally from a birdie performance, a lot of the players in the top ten. You know, they were somewhere between sort of 17 and 22 birdies. But it's interesting. Callum Shinquin uh, finished fourth on 15 under, only four shots back. And he shot 13 under par on the par fives this week. Um, and Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed only shot nine under. So, you know, where where did he lose uh, the tournament, really? was in his bogey performance. He had nine bogeys as opposed to Reed's four and McElroy's five. Interesting numbers there. Julian Brune, the Frenchman, 14 under, finished five shots back from where only scored five under on the par five performances. That's eight shots difference to uh. Callum Shinquin. Just interesting when you look at it. And I wish now I'd stuck away far away from Justin Harding for God's sake I'm never ever picking that guy again it's you just... say that all the time oh, never <laughs> never go in there four double bogeys four double bogeys for the man he shot a final round plus five he was on ten under I thought great chance of possibly even the wing because I was playing without Rory McIlroy 
or even a place at a minimum. But oh no, Justin Harding properly screwed me up. His numbers were diabolical on the week. So just a few calls out there, but nothing else in Dubai, I don't think. Let's have a quick chat, why don't we, about the Farmers on the PJ Tour. Yeah, Max Homer managed to see out another tournament and he's getting pretty good at seeing out these tournaments to take the W. Oh, he loves California, doesn't he? The Homer. The Homer loves California. But I tell you, I, I, that man has gone up in my estimation. You know, he's um, recently had a, a new baby or him and his wife have. And, you know, we see this, don't we? In, not just in golf, but in sports. Instead of an old baby. Yeah, new baby. And, you know, but we do see this. And certainly with golfers, it's, you know, a, a child comes into the family and stuff and they find this new energy to go and play some amazing golf. And Max Homer is trending in the right direction. This guy is calm personified. You know, he walks with a almost like a DJ like swagger, very upright, very straight, very confident, um, but a brilliant golfer. And yes, you know, he saw the deal out, obviously winning 13 under two shots from my Bradley. Um, you know, Keegan Bradley played some brilliant golf over the weekend. And, you know, I was struggling to look at, you know, some of the numbers in terms of where he might have actually lost that tournament. But I don't think it was a loss. I think Homer was very determined on Sunday. He played some absolute brilliant golf uh, in terms of tee to green approach, all of that kind of stuff. You know, the, the rankings said it all but he is certainly moving in the right, right direction and he loves Riviera which, which is a, a tournament that's coming up soon as well so um, I would imagine he'll be pretty high up on the boards for that one but the big story for me last week is John Rahm's capitulation um, certainly not expected I, I really don't know what happened with John Rahm last week because he had it he looked like he was in control yeah he's two poor rounds um sandwich in those second and third round which are quite good 67-66 he was just awful on the greens um, last week bro he was total of 1.1 shots gains last round he was one point minus 1.1 when you look at Bradley um, your Bradley and and Homer you know Homer was total four and a half shots um, gained on the strokes gained on the putting Bradley seven strokes gained on the putting. Um, so it's really hard to see. You were mentioning, well, where did Bradley lose it? And Bradley's game was solid, you know, 78.5% driving accuracy. He was 65, uh, sorry, 66 in greens and regulation. Look, he, he played well. He just got beat by a guy who can see tournaments out. No, absolutely. And going back to Rahm as well, you know, he his um, around the green stats, awful, awful last week. 66 Minus 2.224. And that, you know, we saw a bit of that on the front nine on the final round, didn't we? You know, where he had that kind of, you know, chunk out from the rough and made that double bogey. Uh, in fact, I think he made like a 12-foot putt for the double bogey as well. So it's kind of, but yeah, missed opportunity really and gutted because obviously a lot of people, not just me, would have been playing the Ram and Rory double last week. And, you know, when you're two shots behind in the form that you are, Going into the final round, you've got to expect a better performance from Johnny Rahm. But we didn't get it last week. And you just wonder whether it's a little bit of tiredness or whether it's something going on in the head, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Well, we're going to come back to that in a, in a wee while before we get into this week's tournaments. We have a nice little surprise. We hope you enjoy it all a bit later. But um, I think that's enough for the last week's tournaments, if you agree. Yeah, Let's... absolutely. 
let's get on a little bit of news out there. Matt Fitzpatrick has been signed up by TGL, um, joining the technological, whatever it is, Golf League with Tiger, Rory, um, Justin Thomas, Morikawa, John Ra- uh, You know, it's it's all there. They're getting all the big names. They're getting big major winners. Yeah, absolutely. And and that list will just grow, won't it? I actually, um, I was watching a Instagram Live last night with Rick Shields and um, and Matt Fitzpatrick, who was sitting in a car. Um, I think Shields is over in uh, in America at the moment. And uh, when when it started out, it had something like five and a half thousand listeners at the point in time, and the audio quality was terrible, and the listens just went down rapidly, down, 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 down into you know less than a thousand, and which was a shame. But he was talking about obviously going on to TGL and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're going to see more names for sure, more big names going to that new pursuit uh, that Tiger and Rory have put together. Yeah, I'd be interested. I don't know if I'm really that keen to watch professional golfers play on a golf simulator, but, you know, it'll be it's something new. I'll, I'll watch it. I'm sure it'll be quite exciting. Um, talking to big players, Phil Mickelson, comfortable in the knowledge that he's no longer a part of the Ryder Cup scenario. Um, he's happy with where he is at the moment. He's happy with not playing any PGA Tour events. But he still thinks this is the confidence of the man. And he's always, he's never lacked confidence. He still thinks he's got a major in him. He does. He's bloody delusional is what Mickelson is, I tell you. I'm not <laughs> sure he has. I, I just don't, you know, with what's happened over the last year, I personally don't think Mickelson's game's anywhere near back to what it was before Kiowa Island. And, you know, maybe we might see something different in Saudi this week, obviously, as they uh, Royal Greens on the Asian tour. But, yeah, he's back on Twitter. He's making comments. I think he was trying to wind Rory up, wasn't he? After the third (laughs) round, he put a tweet out there saying, congrats, Rory, on your seven under third round. Let's see if you can see it out. And it it was almost like he was it was a little bit of a dig rather than a compliment to a, a good round from Rory. But, yeah, he's back. He's back on Twitter, doing what he does, fill the thrill, all of that stuff. Good to see, I guess, but he's still annoying. <laughs> and he still blocked you on Twitter, I believe, isn't he? Um, look, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be great to have the likes of Phil and Bubba's back ready for, for Liv, and Liv will be getting going in a few weeks' time. And we're going to see a lot of the Liv players, obviously, in Saudi at Royal Greens, as you say. But what I'd like to do is... You know, Phil's mind's been all over the place and, and players' minds. Tyrrell Hatton um, is one that springs to mind, the angry man, and a golfer's mind. Now, we're very, very lucky to have someone joining us now who is a golf, well, sports psychologist um, specialising in golf. He knows all about these golfers, looking to the eyes, not around the eyes. It is sports psychologist. Lee Crumble home. Hello, Lee. Hey, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd went wild. What it was like being at the waste management. <laughs> no shirts off, though. No shirts off. Yeah, yeah. Keep, you keep your breasts in. Best tournament in the world. Best tournament in the world. That one. <laughs> I bet Lee. it is. It looks good. Now, your bio, Lee, says he's helped golfers of all levels over 25 years improve their mental toughness on the golf course, whether it's winning a tournament, reducing your handicap, or breaking 190, 80, or 70, or 110 if it's for big bro. Um, But we want to get inside your head quickly before we get into some questions and and just have a general chat. So here we go. You ready for some quick-fire cues? That's brave. But yeah, crack on. 
<laughs> Here we go. Right, favourite tournament? Uh, I would say Phoenix. Oh, favourite golf course? Uh, Pinehurst, number two. Pinehurst, number two. Palmer or Nicholas? Ooh, Nicholas. Woods or Faldo? Woods. <laughs> Rory or Reed? <laughs> hmm. Beatles uh, or Stones? Oh, Beatles. Oh, that's a B. And finally, tailored golf trousers or elasticated ankles? Oh, God. <laughs> I've got a name for them elasticated ankle ones. Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> you can do whatever you want on Pros and Birdies Lee. Swear to your heart's content. I call them shit stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not oh, them. Look. Sam Ryder with his shit stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> they are. Do you know what? They are nasty. And I can I can only just think that anyone that wears them, whether it's Eric Van Royen or Sam Ryder, that they're, they're gonna have tan lines. Like, do you remember that picture of Stuart Sink when he took his hat off? <laughs> yeah, and it just had this halo of tan line. I just that's what I think about ankles. I think it's just going to be a, a little period of brown all the way around the bottom, like you said, well, shit stoppers. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get into the questions, big bro. Fire well, away, they were horrendous, that's for sure. Lee, welcome to the podcast. It's brilliant to get you on and try and get some insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, a lot of what we don't see. But uh, can you tell us a little bit, and, and also the listeners, how you actually got into this line of work? Ooh, um, failed golfer um, is, is what usually <laughs> most, most of the coaches are. Um, I, I, I mean, very quickly, I, start, I picked up a club on my 16th birthday for the first time, other than like crazy golf. Got down to one, I think, within about two and a half years. Ended up going to college in America on a scholarship. Um, during that first year... Um, loved it, enjoyed it so much. Um, but then, I, you know, I had big, big ideas, aspirations of being professional, but there was these couple of guys at Georgia Tech who were just absolutely trouncing me all the time. My stroke average wasn't wasn't that great. I think it was about 73 or something, you know. So but, but I, don't, I, I noticed mental frailties because I'd, I'd not been playing golf very long and it's quite, you know, it's obviously more mental than kind of team sports, which I was used to at school and, and college. Um, them two college golfers at Georgia Tech turned out to be David Duval and Stuart Sink. Um, so little did I know that they both end up being kind of major champions. But um, before I decided to quit America, because I just spent a year there, I started reading um, very heavy golf, uh, very heavy kind of performance psychology books out in the States. Um, because this was in like 91, 92. Um, yes, I am that old. And <laughs> what happened was I, I found I could just kind of decipher these books. Um, and then started helping the lads on the golf team, and they really appreciated it, and they, they got a lot of benefits out of it. Um, so then I, I kind of made a decision, even though I was on scholarship, it was still costing quite a bit for my parents, and I felt a bit guilty, to be honest. Um, and so I came came home, went to university in Liverpool to do psychology and sports science and pursue the uh, sports psychology route. That's as, that's as quick as I can go from from the start of it. Um, and then just gradually work my way through. Um, I used to travel 
with a few of the lads on the Euro Pro, well, when it used to be Master Pro, uh, Mastercard Tour. Um, some lads like like Phil Kenyon, um, who's a good mate of mine and has been for, well, since junior golf. Uh, Lee Slattery was playing on there and, and I was working with him then. So I was kind of cutting my teeth in golf psychology. I also worked at the time in a load of different sports, you know, um, tennis, rugby, hockey, figure skating, anything just to get a more rounded kind of experience. But my goal was always to end up working with golfers at the end of it. Um, and then just gradually worked through from the MasterCard Tour, EuroPro Tour to players on the Challenge Tour. And then I got my European Tour card, you know, in my in my world um, with the likes of Simon Wakefield, Ben Mason, Simon Hurd of Drew Belt's fame. Um, and then, yeah, just just kind of then, I think it was, what was the year? Was it 2014 or 16? Brandon Grace won four times in a year, and that was kind of a bit of a breakthrough year for me as well. Um, and then everything has just kind of exploded since then. You know, um, obviously got players on, um, a few players on the European Tour. I've worked with loads. Um, and players on the PGA Tour. Um, as well, so Matt Wallace has, you know, still got PGA Tour card. Um, so I'll be going out there for the players and um, Harbour Town, and you know, was working with Kiridak. He lost his card in America, but then um, he's much happier now. He's back in on the European Tour anyway, so that's all turned out good. So yeah, yeah, that's the um, that's the quick. He's fire. a character, Kiridak, isn't he? Kiridek is an absolute legend, as everyone knows. I mean, he's, he's even more of a legend in real life, to be honest. He's, he's oh, is he? So popular um, amongst everyone, players, caddies, coaches, tour staff. He's just, he's just brilliant. You know, he's an absolute super guy. So, well, when you talk about Wallace and Kiridek, what what other players are under the mental guidance of Lee Crumbleholm as we speak? Uh, Paul Waring, uh, Justin Walters, Pablo Larathabal. Matthew Baldwin, um, just recently finished with uh, Andy Sullivan, uh, but we've you know we've worked together for so long. You know he's, he's been in a good spot mentally. Um, I've worked with Tyrrell, I've worked with Danny Willett, I've worked with Ben Ann, um, Peter Uline, Blandy, who's you mentioned earlier has been on um, on the yeah. program. Um, I've worked with a, a load of players, a, a load of players. That is some stable, Lee. That that is quite impressive, and I, I mean, we we could probably spend hours sort of talking about it. Interest us greatly, but uh, just a few names to call out there. Obviously, players that have gone to the the new Live Tour. I mean, you called out Peter Uline, you called out Blandy, who we've spoken to a couple of times, but Brandon Grace was an interesting one. I mean, yeah. you know, he's really come to prominence, hasn't he? Obviously, now moving to live, but uh, a great, great player. How long did you work with him for? I worked with him. Um, worked with him for a couple of years before his that breakthrough year. Um, I was at, I was actually caddying um, for a lad called Andrew Butterfield, who was a client of mine on the European Tour. Yeah, he spent a year or two on the European Tour, but it was in the Challenge Tour event. At Manchester Worsley Marriott, and he ended up playing with uh, Brandon, and we just got chatted, and you know, it was like, "God, this lad's impressive." And he was over from South Africa quite recently, 
the ISM have brought him over, Chubby have brought him over. Um, and then about a month later, he, he, he rang me up, just asking if he could do some work with me because he was really struggling with his putting. Um, so I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And we, you know, I think he finished, you know, he, he had a couple of top tens in the next couple of events and then um, we, we just carried on. Um, so, I mean, this is going back... Oh, God, many years when he was on the Challenge Tour, probably 2012 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, obviously worked with him when he, he won all them, them, them four on the, on, in the one year. Um, and then we stopped working after that because obviously that was sorted. And then um, I got rehired again in August. <laughs> 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 Absolutely superb. You've mentioned Till Hatton as well. I mean, yeah. that that must be an absolute blast to work with someone like Till Hatton, given the anger management issues that he has on the course. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, t- I don't know if you've ever met Till. Like off the course, he wouldn't say boo to the goose. Yeah, he's he's very timid, and uh, you know, he's a, he's a really good lad. And uh, and then you get him on the golf course, it's like some some sparks just go off. Um, with him, very interesting character. Loved working with him. Really respectful lad. Um, enjoyed it. You know, worked together for about a year. Um, it wasn't just to kind of calm him down. You know, it was it was for performance stuff. And we did we did manage to get him um, being a bit calmer and but, but without losing the fire in his belly. Um, yeah, and then we just kind of we, we just stopped working um, as as happens when the, the you know players will come in with some particular needs, you know, it's very rare that someone would come to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm playing fantastic. Um, but you know, I just want to get better. Um, I would, I would say there's only one player who's actually ever done that. And that was, uh, Matt Wallace when we first started working together in 2018, he just won about two weeks before. Um, but with, with Tyrrell, you know, you know, we, we kind of helped to manage him, get him to manage himself a little bit more effectively. Um, and then I think, if I cast my mind back, I think there was like a natural break in the season. It was about five or six weeks he, he didn't play. And then he came back um, and he was he, we were kind of back at square one and we couldn't quite recover, you know, couldn't quite get the momentum going again. So that's why we ended up stopping. Um, but yeah, I think it's quite an interesting role for myself because, you know, people generally come to me when they are struggling, you know, kind of 99 times out of 100. So you, you're having to try and build some momentum up with them um, in some way, shape, or form, and obviously everyone's different. So um, it's a really good challenge. Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoy it. Well, hold that thought because we'll come back to that probably a little bit later on. I know I've got a, a question around that, but um, Craig, I'm, I'm going to chip in with this question before we go to one of yours. I think we talked a few golfers there, Lee, which are really interesting names, but. What would you say has been your biggest achievement to date in the game of golf? Mm, having four all in ones. Get the beers in. <laughs> um, that's a t- I mean, I mean, Gracie's breakthrough year was phenomenal. You know, to win four times in a year was 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 brilliant. Um, you know, and they were they were they were good events as well. You know, the, one of them was first one was the Joe Berg Open, I think, 
And then the second one was a tournament of champions the week after. And he was in a playoff against Retief and Ernie. Uh, it, it were two of his heroes, and and it was just like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, and then he, he won that, and then he won the China Open, I think, and then the Dunhill Links. So that that was that was phenomenal. But I mean, this is this this all this all kinds really, you know. And it, it's really nice to get players, you know, who are struggling coming to you, and then they and then they win. You know, someone like Kiradek who was. Just really, really struggling with his game, um, and you know he brought in a, another coach and, and myself at the same time in Dubai at the Tour Championships, and you know he just wasn't enjoying it. And then we ended up turning that around, and then he, he won um, one of the events in Australia. Um, and it, you know that that was that was really good. Um, Sully's couple of wins, and then you know getting to the Ryder Cup. I think it was it was two or three wins that I had with Sully, and then you know going to going to a Ryder Cup was amazing. Um, it was Hazel team, you know, we, we lost as a team, yeah. but it was phenomenal experience. It was re really good. So yeah, I mean, it's not just the wins though. You know, Blandy, um, you know, he'd, he'd always kind of struggled to keep his card, and and we started working together, and then he finished, I think, thirtieth on the order of merit. Um, that year, and that was really proud moment because he was, you know, he'd always been known as one of these journeymen. I mean, he's, he's gone from strength to strength now, hasn't he? He's, you know, he's a bloody fabulous player. Ages no boundaries. Amazing. Yeah, no, he's he's been absolutely brilliant, hasn't he, Blandy? And still, I mean, yeah. last performance was was pretty impressive. I think he tired over the weekend, you know, when you start looking at the numbers. But, yeah, he's, he's playing some brilliant golf at the moment. Yeah, well, he's not used to four rounds, is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not quite 54. Is he 50 this... He's 50 this year, isn't he, Bandy? No. Uh, I think he is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he said he was going to go to the Champions Tour when we first chat, and obviously Liv came along and he... Yeah couldn't turn it down and whatever but yeah he's do you know what you mentioned it you mentioned in um matt wallace before now you've said you know you've been around golf you play golf you're you sound like a cracking golf you got down to one you've been around the world but you've also caddied was it right you caddied for matt wallace when his his caddy was ill yeah that was in um oh god where was it wasn't detroit was it detroit might have been it was over in the states for no, sure. Yeah, Houston. It was Houston a couple of months ago. Yeah, I got um, I got the knock on the door. Um, we 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 were in an Airbnb and I got a knock on the door at four a.m. and it was his manager going, uh, "Fancy caddying?" Like, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but isn't it, yeah, but isn't that a great opportunity to to like you can get into his head right there? You know, oh, there's yeah, any problems? Yeah, no. You know, all all jokes aside, it was brilliant. Uh, it was it was really good. And um, it was a, a, a great opportunity. You know, unfortunately, Sam, his, his caddy, was was really ill um, that night. Mm. And, you know, it was, it was a, a bloody shame. And, and there was no way I was, wasn't going to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's because um, we knew it was an opportunity. And, and actually, it was weird because that round, there was another player um, whose name escapes me. He had his coach on the bag. And apparently, they do it once a year just to get that insight Um you know, for for the coach's uh, benefit, 
So it was weird. There was only one proper caddy in the, in the group. <laughs> oh, hey, talking of caddy, Shane Lowry splits up with Bo, isn't he? Yeah, really? I, just, I just read about that on uh, online. Yeah, um, man, crikey, they've had a good run, haven't they? <laughs> oh God, for sure. Yeah, geez, plenty of Guinness sunk in that relationship for sure. Yeah, hey, talking about players, right? If you what went on last week, and we talked that you know it's the tea gate, the tree gate, and whatever. If you had a direct line, I just want to try and get into how you sort of talk to players and get players sort of sorted and motivated and settled and whatever. You have a direct line, right? This is a hypothetical question. If you have a direct line to Rory and he's lost his head going down the back nine, he spots a name at the top of the leaderboard and it's Patrick Reed. What do you say to him? <laughs> I don't think you need to say anything to Rory in that situation. He just puts the <laughs> hammer down. But in the in the, in the same vein, um, Patrick Reed does as well, you know, because he's he just loves being wound up and he plays his best when he's wound up. But, but back to your question, um, I think what it would do, it would just increase a player's focus. You know, it would increase a good player's focus. You know, a world class player's focus is, is is how they would react to that. You know, they would have more intention, more decisiveness, more intensity. Um, I don't think they'd play particularly any more aggressive. They'd just have a bit more determination. And that's the, you know, the things that you can control, like your focus, is, is if a player like that in that situation was to ask me what I think that they should do, it would be ramp up the focus. Um, but someone like Rory's ramped up anyway. Well, I thought it was amazing when, it, you know, his drive nearly went into the drink and it was there and you think he's got to make a birdie he must know he's got to make a birdie all the raw the roars yeah. that were going up ahead with reed and what have you he's and he sticks it to his perfect yardage and he plays the most beautiful approach and to keep his head when everything's going on and everything that's happened over the previous days his focus must be and that must be a dream for someone you know if you're working with someone and you see them focused like that going down 18 on the final round. That must be a dream to see. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, I, and I've been there, you know, I've been, I've had, been lucky enough to be stood in the wings um, at tournaments where one of my guys is, is leading or, you know, needs a par or a birdie at the last and they've, and they've done it to win. And it's, and it, it's phenomenal. You know, you're just so, you're just so happy for them, but you, you know, you please yourself, but you, you're just buzzing for them um, because you know that, they've proved it to themselves then that they can do it. And you can't, you know, you can't buy that kind of experience. You have to, you have to go out there and do it. And that's what you do your training for. That's why you stand on the range, you know, not just working on your goal swing, but working on really, really tough challenges, you know, which is one of the things that I like to do with players on the range. Um, you know, set, set these really stringent challenges and drills. And we've done it for years and, you know, and wind them up on the range. You know, sometimes you make the drills too hard that, you know, they're not even nearly going to be complete, but but with the intention of winding them up. Because then when they wound up, then you, you stop and you go, okay, right, what does what does this look like now when you're aggravated? You know, and then, you know, is it your body language? Is it the way that you're talking to yourself? Is it is it tension? Is it your heart rate going through the roof? And, you know... It, is there anything that you feel as though you can manage in that situation? So you, they then practice being under the gun on the range. And then when they get out on the golf course, when things aren't going right, which inevitably, you know, it's going to happen. Mm. And they have the, the, the toolkit to, to help them manage it. And 
And once they realise that they wound up on the range and then they still hit world-class golf shots on the range, that's the that's the golden goose, really, knowing that they don't have to be, you know, in this zen-like state in order to hit great golf shots because that's just not, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. But a lot of people think that that's what sports psychology is. You know, they think it's about making a player as calm as possible, but it's not. The, the, the crux of sports psychology is making a player realise that no matter what state they're in, that they can still play a world-class golf shot. And that's, that is the golden goose for me. Wow, that is that is a great insight. That's you know to hear that and to hear the workings and, and see what goes on. You know, you've done it for so long and worked with so many players. And that sort of advice, you know, we've um, as Bro would um, say, and we've said over the podcasts in the past with young players such as one called Matty Dobberry, who's gone to Tennessee State um, University, and we've got Spencer Davies, who we've followed, and they're, they're coming through and. Different parts of their journey, but what do you say to like the young lads listening out there? And we know those two listeners. Well, what do you say to young lads? Even, uh, apart from what you've just said now, about how they deal with the progression in golf? I think you know have, having a big, big hairy goal is brilliant. You know, you know, like you know, I want to be a tall player. I want to you know win the NCAA's if you know they're out in college in America or you know. I want to get onto the, you know, England team, Scotland team, Welsh team, you know, what, whatever, you know, play Walker Cup. Having that is is great, but what you you have to reverse engineer it then and go kind of right. Okay, what do I need? Basically, what do I need to do on a day to day basis? You know, making sure that you're covering all of your bases. You know, you're working on you, you, the technical side. You know, you. You, the movement side. I'm not one of them sports psychs who who goes, no, it's you know, it doesn't matter how you're hitting it or how you're swinging it. You know, it's it's all about all about the mind. It's that's baloney um, in my world. You know, the player has to be able to hit it good. You know, and in order in order to go through the different levels, um, so they need to work hard and you know they need to work cleverly with the coaches, but not just work on the movement side. Like I was saying, you know, get get yourself put under pressure in in practice and a lot more people are doing that these days because there's more information out there which is fantastic you know i've got a blatant plug here but i've, I've got my you know my website um which over over the course of the next 12 months is going to be grown and and have these kind of practice drills on there you know to help develop help, help players to develop you know because not everyone is going to have access to someone like myself you know, mm. but you know, there's other guys out there that that do it as well. But um, having this information out there, either on websites like mine, or you know, or, or books, or and podcasts, you know, fantastic. You know, everyone listens to podcasts now because they're great because you get insights and you know, lads like yourself asking really good questions and you get the information out of um, people. So managing the day to day work rate um, and doing it cleverly um, because you know I, I did it yesterday one of one of the lads that I work with who's you know in the Walker Cup squad you know I keep hammering it into him you know you've got to work really hard and really clever you know because there's a thousand other guys out there who've got the same talent and ability as you who are just you know just want it they, they just want it so much because the level is going up and up and up 
wartime. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, a lot of what you say there, Lee, is, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, you know, that, that's obvious. It isn't. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. The insight that you're giving over, whether it be on a podcast or a TV interview, is, you know, a lot of people like Joe Public, they don't know what goes on behind the scenes. So it's great to give that. And you talk about, you know, they've got to have that ability. They've got to have that raw talent because, you know, for me in golf, a lot, a lot of what I think about golf is feel and confidence and obviously, as well as having the ability to hit the golf ball, which I don't. I can hit a golf ball, but I'm not that great. But, you know, it's and, and we'll come back to that. I'm sure Craig will make a point of that. But again, it's you know, you've got to be at the top of your game. So when we talk, you know, Craig talks about the likes of Matty Dodd-Berry, who plays out of Royal Liverpool and he's just gone to East Tennessee State and, and Spencer as well, who's, you know, at Royal Liverpool and Wallasey. You know, they've obviously got to work so hard to even if they've got the raw talent and ability, which they have to get to that pinnacle. And it's the same, I think, in most sports. You know, we, Craig um, grew up and played in the same football team as David Thompson, who used to play for Liverpool a few years ago. And, you know, you always knew from a young age when you're you know, playing about with him on the local park field that he he was going to make it, yeah, you know, he different. had that drive. And, and I think that is really... Do you mean me or David? Oh, you certainly didn't have it, bro, but Tom, I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made it, you didn't. Look what no, you're doing. Damn it. Yeah, you're doing podcasts on a Tuesday night. You know, it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> but it, it's really important. And that point shouldn't be lost on the youngsters, as say, whether it's golf, whether it's football etc etc so that's that's really great insight well that's that's why I, you know when i first started out um you know once i finished university in liverpool i went i went out working well doing stuff in different sports and one of the places where i, I kind of got asked to go in um one night a week was in toxteth gym um where the gymnasts were and my god if, you know if if a golfer went and saw how hard gymnasts you know, thirteen-year-old gymnasts were working. They'd be like, "All oh, right, okay, I, I can work harder here." You know, because yeah. they are. You know, it's that's brutal training. You know, and it really, it, you know, it has to be. Um, the, you know, at thirteen years old, they were flying around all over the place, and you know, risking injury and all that kind of stuff. And it's the work rate is amazing. The focus is amazing. You know, the, the coaches. Um, Really, really pushing them. I know uh, gymnastics has had a bit of a bad rep, um, and, and rightly so, because they've been over pushing them a lot of the coaches over the last few years. Um, but back when I was working in there, um, you know, we, we actually had to get rid of one of the coaches because he was he was just he was actually pushing them too hard. Um, you know, it was there was a bit of an issue there, to be honest. Um, but the work rate from the girls was phenomenal. You know, it was phenomenal. And, you know, they, they never never bitched and moaned about it. They just got on with it. And that's what you've got to do, you know, as a golfer. You know, you, you might look out the window and it's a bit windy or rainy and it's like, oh, I don't quite fancy that. Well, you've just got to get on with it and get out there and, and get it mm. done. And, and like I keep saying, you know, do it in a, in a constructive way. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I was having a golf lesson last December in the snow out and I was braving it and I stuck with it 
whether it paid off or not, we'll see. But um, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it's absolutely important. Just bring it back to the golf, though, Lee. In terms, of, you talked a little bit earlier on about you know the types of things that you work on on the you know on the range, not obviously sort of you know hitting balls is important and having the ability. But in terms of you know the, the people that you have worked with. Um, or how the association with is, you know, from their perspective, what what are the types of things they want to work on? You know, do they come to you and say, I want to work on this a bit more? Or is it more you as the coach, the mind coach, the sports psychologist, sort of directing the conversation? It depends on the individual, to be honest. So mo- most players would come to me initially and say, I've lost my confidence. You know, I'm just really struggling. Um it's either confidence or or performing under pressure, you know, kind of, you know, if they start messing up. Um, so confidence is always the the usual reason why, you know, and they're starting to panic uh, because they're, they're afraid of losing the card. And you've got to, you know, so they're getting very much into the outcome and the results and um, being very negative, you know, with their outlook. So and often it'll be a caddy or a coach or a manager or, you know, one of the close family members will say, you know, you need to kind of work on your mental side and go and find someone. Um, I'm fortunate, you know, out on the European tour that everyone knows who I am and what I do. <clears throat> so I would be one of the first ports of call there. Um, but it's generally based around confidence. So then you've got to discuss what confidence looks like for them, why it's breaking down, and then kind of, again, reverse engineer it into, you know, is it the way that you're talking to yourself? Is it the body language? Is it, you know, are you being indecisive? Is it your focus? Are you motivated for the wrong reasons? Is it all about the outcome rather than the process? You know, and everyone is different, but there are general themes. And the main theme is that is all around confidence. So you need to, Get back to basics, which I know is a bit of a cliche, um, but there's a reason why things are cliches because they're usually truisms. Um, so the, most of their mindset will be focused on the outcome and, and, and trying to avoid hitting a bad shot as opposed to having the mind focused in the right direction and the visualiza- visualization in the right direction about hitting the shot that they want rather than the shot that they don't want. You know, you, you guys will have experienced it. Um, you know, you stood on a power four, long power four, and there's water down the right and out of bounds down the left. And it's like, oh, don't hit it in the water. You know, this is what I used to think when I was at college in America. You know, it's like, this is why I knew that I needed to read about the psychology of the game. Because, you know, if you if you don't have the competence um, to be able to hit the shot, then you're not going to have the confidence. And what it boils down to then is you need to work on the movement side, but also on the mental side, you know, to get your focus in, in the right place. Um, and the two, the two definitely go hand in hand. And that's what I help players with is, is guide them into a better focus and you know, get, getting them to communicate with themselves more effectively. God, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm absolutely mesmerised. I mean, some of this stuff is brilliant. And, and I play bowls, Lee. Um, and I've often been told that, you know, my, my body language is terrible. And, you know, my coach, when I had one, used to tell me my body language was terrible. I'd love to work with you to get it sorted out because I'm probably, I'm sure I'd win some 50 pound tournaments, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> How's your body language tournament. after 15 pints of mild? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not very good after five pints, let alone 15. But, oh, God. No, that, that's absolutely brilliant. Craig, have you got any questions you want to put to Lee? I am still just, I can't believe you brought the bowls up. Hey, the um, big bro, right? Graham has got this awful problem, Lee, and I need you to help him, right? He is drawn. Whenever there's fescue on a golf course, he is oh, drawn to it. He is drawn to it like Rooney to older women, right? <laughs> he is he's an absolute nightmare. If it's fescue, he finds it. So what you're saying is basically he's just got to be confident in his ability, regardless of whether there's fescue there or not. That's a tough one. I don't even <laughs> think Lee can answer that. <laughs> well, what it, it, you know, it, it, what what happens when he when he stood up there on a tee and he, he just he just sees you know fescue or old women down the left or right hand side of the field. <laughs> you know, he's, he's thinking, "Don't go there! Don't go there! Don't go there!" You know, and, it, <laughs> and then it's really hard. I'm trying so hard, but it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares about older women in fescue tonight. Oh, no. No, no. I've no, seen no. that website. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. No, it's when, when Lee was mentioning about water a few minutes ago, and you know, that visualizing that shot and everything, I was sitting here thinking fescue, fescue, fescue. <laughs> uh. Hey, that's what happened. It was at Heritage, wasn't it, Craig? You found it was the London fishing. Golf Club, yeah. We we played, not last summer, was it? It was the summer before, I think it was. Um, but was it last summer? I can't remember. Anyway, we played the London, we played the Heritage course at the London Golf Club. Absolutely amazing. Mm. A friend of mine's a member there, and we got a fortunate opportunity to play. I think it was a couple of weeks after one of the European Tour events. Yeah. Um, can't remember who won it yeah, now. Callum Hill won it, didn't he? Callum Hill, that was it, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, really, really good course, but so much fescue. I think I lost about a dozen balls or something. But They, um... they, were, they were really wide fairways as well, because I was down oh, there. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> hey, you want to see him play balls? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> oh, he has to have the whole place to himself. Pine pots everywhere. You know, really, what you what you need to do is our our brains are wired up, right, from an evolutionary point of view to to avoid um, threats. You know, and you know whether it's water or an outbounds or 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 fescue, our our eyes want to go, you know, wander to to where all the trouble is, and you know it's, it's. it's an evolutionary thing because when, when we were in the savannah and, or in, in the fescue, you know, when we were hunter-gatherers, then what we were doing, we were constantly looking out for, you know, we weren't just the hunter, but we were the hunted as well. And so our brains evolved to, to look for the danger. And this is what happens now when we go on the golf course. We see the danger. And th- this is why focus is such an important part of playing, you know, really good golf. And... One of, the, one of the simplest things you can do is just, you know, you can't ignore the danger, you know, the, the, the trouble. But what you can do is then redirect your focus back into a target or, you know, visualising the shot. But the best way to do that is to ask a really good question. And a really good question is dead simple. Honestly, you know, anyone can do this, whatever shot it is. You know, what does a good shot look like? Or what do I want to do with this golf ball? Or where do I want this golf ball to finish? You know, any kind of question like that 
will just draw your focus more into what you want to do with the golf ball rather than what you don't want to do with the golf ball. Well, that's great advice. Is that why you see a lot of these players now sort of closing their eyes as, you know, just momentarily before they're about to dress the ball? And it's all about that visualisation. No, it's because the play is so slow sometimes, especially <laughs> on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is hundred percent. Yeah, the visualizing what they want the golf ball to do. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that that's not always been there, has it? That's really come more to prominence in the, I'd say, in the last sort of five to ten years. You've seen that more on TV. Yeah, Taylor Day started doing it, didn't he? He's, he's getting into what they call a, a, a mushin state, which is um, an old Japanese samurai warrior state, which yeah. means which translates to mind of no mind. So it's, it's, he's basically emptying his, his mind and going into how, how I describe it when I do this with some of the players is going into a, like a docile state. So it's like almost like going, okay, right, empty the head, empty the head, empty the head. Right, now visualise the shot and then look up as you walk in, eyeballing your target, you know, small target in the distance, either your start line or your finish line, and then you have your last look up at that target and then eyes focused on the ball, um, a small part of the ball, not just all of the golf ball, um, and then pull the trigger. And what that does, you're using your eyes to quieten your mind off because, you know, like I said before, our mind, if it's busy, it will tend to focus on what we don't, where we don't want the golf ball to go. Craig, I think that explains why you're so much better at golf than I am. It's that docile state. No, I am just visualising when we next turn up, you're on the first tee and all you can hear is this. (laughs) 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 You'd be able to play a golf shot for the entire round. (laughs) Someone's going to call the paramedic or something. You'll have your eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) It, it was the best way I could describe a, a no, sound state when, when there's no video camera on. Oh, we're going to have to video it, Craig. You know, oh, God, we, I will for sure. Well, hey, that's going to be one of our first ventures into YouTube videoing. You know, we, we want to move to YouTube and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that that's, well, that's nailed on. That is pretty much. Thanks, Lee. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, this is, I don't want to finish this conversation, but I know we have to. And I think we've all got to get our tea at some point tonight. But, Greg, have you got any more questions before we wrap it up? Yeah, I just wanted to ask Lee, of the golfers you're working with at the moment, I mean, who would you say, you know, we have a, a bit of a punting angle going on with this podcast as well, you know, so we have our picks and we've had a, a couple of profitable years. Um, but who of your stable of golfers that you're working with do you think are really coming into some form um, maybe over the next couple of months in terms of what they're currently doing? Well, I certainly can't comment from a from a betting point of view because we have to sign things to say that we're you know we're not going to go down that route and um, you know for for obvious reasons. Oh yeah, we, yeah. we got the inside kind of scoop on things, but um, obviously all that all that aside, um, all of them <laughs> who I work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was self. Self-proclamation, come Perfect on. Answer. So, so keep, keep your eye on Matt Wallace. He's, he's um, Things are coming together for him. Paul Waring's just a quality player. He's been building momentum, you know, last year. And, you know, coming into this year, he's 
you know, he had a bit of a slow start in the first two events, but you know, he he will come good. Pablo has made a strong start, um, Lorathabel to the to the season. Justin Walters shot five under in the in the last round, um, you know, um, in Dubai. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're just good players. Um, Matt Baldwin, I'm excited to, to see how Matt gets on this year because I think he's, you know, he's got a he's got new lease of life. You know, he's just got engaged last week and, and they jumped out of an aeroplane on the same day, you know, doing a skydive and it's, you know, He's just he's just taking taking life on right now and and he's playing lovely as well so um, <laughs> and I, I know it's a, I know it's a cheap angle but you know they, they're all they're all play they're all playing nicely and, and coming into form you know at, at the start of the season so um, other than that you know um, oh, crikey I couldn't I, I couldn't tell you um, because no, that's really we're, appreciated, Lee. No, I, I totally understand that angle and stuff. And it's, um, you know, more from our interest in, in golf than anything. Because, um, you know, we, we in terms of our betting strategy, we, we, we place a lot of, uh, you know, bad decisions sometimes. So it's kind of, you know, just getting that insight sometimes really helps yeah, I mean, in the decision-making. Well, I mean, Kiridek's going to be playing in, in, in I'm going to be out there, I'm flying on Sunday to um, Singapore and then Thailand and, you know, he, he loves being, he loves playing in Asia. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's just a bloody great player anyway, but, you know, it was well documented how much he, he was missing home, you know, when he was out on the PGA Tour, he did that interview and, you know, and he's in a, a much happier place now. So um, I fully expect him to have a decent couple of weeks, the next two weeks. It's interesting you mentioned Kiradech. I, I keep on trying to get Craig to say his name properly. He can't. He calls him Affy Bumfat instead of Affy Barnfat. Affy Bumfat's all right then. No, it's it's quite right. it's quite weird because because everyone pronounces his name wrong because if if you if you tie is they don't pronounce their R's they pronounce L's instead of R's so actually how a Thai person would pronounce it would be Kiladek Affy Barnfat. Oh, right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> there you go. That one next. So if I can remember that, I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll use it because he might is going to be one of our picks. He has to be. I think we have to back all. Maybe we have to back all these um, these table <laughs> in the next few weeks. But uh, hey, it's a good Lee. job I'm leaving the country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will see you at a Liverpool game, mate. Hey, it's been great to chat, I and mean, we really appreciate your time. I know you've been here, there, and everywhere of late, and um, you've taken the time out to speak to us at Bros and Birdies, and we do appreciate But you're talking about your website and stuff like that. Can you just tell the listeners where they can find you? Where can they find your stuff, whether it's socials and YouTube, etc.? Uh, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, I was very creative. It's at Winning Golf Mind. Um, the website is www.winninggolfmind.com. Um, I don't really do the, the YouTube Thing, but um, just at this moment in time, people have to put the www dot on the on the website. So it's winninggolfmind.com. Um, because if if you don't put that up, then it, it goes to the old website. So um, just make sure you put the www on there. But yeah, well there you go, at, listeners. www.winninggolfmind.com for Lee Crumble Home. And unless bro, have you got anything else to say? No, other than this has been an absolutely enlightening conversation. I've really, really enjoyed it. And hopefully 
we can get to meet up at one of the courses at some point, Lee. In the fescue. In the fescue, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he'll be in the corner going, <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. But no, from, I've, from, yeah, um, I've mate, enjoyed again. it as well, fellas. I've, I've really enjoyed it. So uh, cheers for uh, inviting me on. No, appreciate it. And everyone, that was Lee Crumble home. And thanks a lot, Lee. Take care. Thank you. All the best, lads. Well, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a cracking chat. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'll tell you what, that is one of of the interviews that we've done. And I think they've, you know, I've I've enjoyed them all, but that was insightful and, and it's really got my brain thinking. You know, we we talked about everything. Talked about fescue, talked about, you know, older women and fescue. It's like it's just <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm still going to have like uh, people will be laughing when they hear it. It's like just imagining you go <laughs> making this noise. But yeah, do you know what? It was great to listen. He gave, he gave advice to you know your average golfer, your young golfer coming through, what they can do. He talked about what he works on with players on tour, PGA and DP World Tour, who he's worked with, the things he's achieved. He's even been a caddy for God's sake. I'm really, I really hope you all like that out there and. Um, Give Lee a follow and get onto his website. And if you need some mental coaching like Big Bro does and stay away from the fescue, then hook up with him. Let's see if he can work his magic. It was absolutely superb. I mean, obviously, he mentioned, um, you know, kind of working with with Tyrrell as well. It's interesting because, you you know, you look at um, Tyrrell and and I know you call him angry man and stuff. But I I have to look back at last week as well. Spare a thought for Tyrrell Hatton. I don't know if you saw the story that was out there. He'd already pretty much checked out of the tournament and he'd actually asked his management team to sort out an earlier flight home so he could have 48 hours more at home, right? And this cost three grand to change this flight. What did Till Hatton go and do on the 18th? He only fucking made Eagle from 50-odd feet and he made the cut. And I'm thinking like... His head must have been absolutely mushed. And I believe his caddy, Mick Donaghy, um, actually gave him some expletives after that because they both checked out pretty much. But like, <laughs> can, you, can you credit that? That is just unbelievable. But they didn't check out mentally. And he went on and made the cut. Hey, talking to caddies, um, here, Lowry split up with Bo. Yeah, yeah. Breaking news story. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, that is a hell of a job. A lot of CBs are going to be going in for that one, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Why would you not? Shane Lowry, still, you know, top of the game, still got a lot in him. Uh, and another major or two you'd like to think, wouldn't you? Hey, maybe um, maybe Lee will put his CV in after he caddy for Matt Wallace um, yeah. in Houston. Perhaps he'll stick it in there. Who anyway, knows? right. Now, that was Lee Crumbleheim, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, should we crack on with this week's tournaments? Yeah, why don't we? Let's do it. Okay, well, let's start at a tournament which I'm not a big fan on. Fan of it's it's the Pebble. I love the course, bro, and you're going to tell us about the course. But Pebble Beach, absolutely adore it. But I just think it gets a little bit degraded um, with where it is right now. Yes, if it was scheduled, it's been said if it was scheduled differently in the calendar, it would attract a better field. Um, it deserves a better field. But anyway, it's the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, three courses. What can you tell us? Yeah, I, and I actually, you know, what you say there is is really valid. This this tournament has devalued for sure. It's certainly, it's always been a tournament that's been high up there, had a lot of high profile names 
And we just haven't got that this year. I mean, Jordan Spieth is favourite for this tournament. Matt Fitzpatrick, I think joint favourite or second favourite. But they're the two biggest names that are there. And it, it's a field that has you know, been obliterated as a result of obviously what's going on over on the Asian tour at Saudi, you know, Royal Greens and for the Saudi International, because they have got, you know, a a stellar field there, obviously predominantly live players and they'll be playing there in the live schedule at the back end. But it's a shame, Pebble Beach. I You don't like it so much. I, I think it's a really great tournament. I've loved watching it over the year. But let's just get into a few things. I'm not going to waste too much time. A lot of people that know the Pebble Beach Pro-Am will know that it's played at the Pebble Beach Links, where there's two rounds of the four rounds that are played there. And the other courses are Spyglass Hill and the Monterey Peninsula. Um, you know, they're, they're Pebble Beach and Spyglass past 72s, Monterey Peninsula past 71. You're looking around about 7,000 yard courses. They, again, typically are birdie fests, <clears throat> but it depends whether you get weather coming into this part of, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, eastern coast of America. But again, it's, you know, a long standing history here um, in this course and you know Bing Crosby uh, you know was hosted the first Pro-Am back in 1937 but it's you know and I'm not going to go over a few facts but we are certainly looking at a weakened field here this week for these three course rotational okay well let's say um, there's nothing really like you said there's plenty out there for people to go in uh, like PGA tout and different sites data um, golf.com if you want to go and find out about the course but let, let's get into some picks then shall we why don't you go first yeah let's listen i've got four and i'm going to reel them all off one by one the first one i'm going to play is jordan spieth i think it's a no-brainer i think you know his record here is impressive he's won here before i think 2017 he's had a host of other top tens he's tied 13th at the century a few weeks ago you know looked like he was playing some decent golf yes he's 10 to 1 favorite but he's He's got an obvious favourites chance and he has to be on the card. My second play is a prior winner here back in 2020. He had solid start at the Sony Open with a tied seventh, but he also had a tied sixth in the Fortinet, which was in the early part of this season, but last year. And it's Nick Taylor. Um, not a name that you know a lot of people would know, but he's 60 to 1 in the outright market or 45 to 1 without Spieth and Fitzpatrick. And he's my second play. My third play is another 60 to 1 shot in the outright. And it's a guy called Ben Griffin. He had a tied third at Bermuda, um, tied 12th at the Sony Open, and last year at the Wyndham, a tied uh, a fourth place finish. So a guy that you know certainly has got the game to play on the PGA Tour and is featuring more highly in some of these leaderboards. And I think he's got a decent chance this week. And my fourth and final play is a guy that's had three top five finishes within the last year. And it's Troy Merritt. And I think he's a really big price here for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am at 90 to one in the without in the outright market and 70 to one in the without. And they're my four plays this week at Pebble Beach. Lovely. I like it. I have got four as well. Um, like I said, I'm just a lot of these ones are hunches because I haven't done a massive amount of research. I well, know be this quick talk on those hunches. We don't want yeah, to detail. I know, I know, I know, I know. Let's go. Right. Dean Bermester likes playing multi-course competitions. I think he's a big price. He's a great golfer, obviously. Justin Rose showed signs of coming back to something near his best in a few rounds last week. 
Eric Van Royen will see more of those elasticated ankle pants or um, shit stoppers or whatever that Lee Crumbleholm called them. And Garrick Higo. I think Garrick Higo, it's about time he starts getting involved again. He's too talented to be out of contention in these tournaments. And the South African, we know he's talented. Hit it a long way. Stick those shades on and then destroy Pebble Beach. They're my four. Bermie, Rose, Eric Van Royen and Garrick Higo. Interesting pick with Higo there, bro, because he was on my shortlist. And I think I mentioned him last week, but he's a big price at 110 to 1, Garrick Higo. And yeah, you could see a tournament like this in what is a weakened field. You know, someone like him, um, you know, featuring and playing well. So yeah, like those picks. Good. Okay, where are we going next? Right. We're going to head over to the Saudi International at Royal Greens. Now, it's a strong field and it's acting as a warm up for the start of the Liz schedule. That's what I feel. It's on the Asian Tour. The PGA Tour released players sit amongst the Live and the Asian Tour players. But one surprising or not so surprising inclusion is a player that wasn't granted release. It's Mito Pereira. After not being officially released by his tour, he is here. Well, not here, but he's in Saudi. If he was here, that'd be a bit weird and a bit strange. But he's there, and that surely settles the argument of whether Mito Pereira will be the next live signing. So, bro, we are at Royal Greens in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Whether your thoughts on the region are bad or good, we have a tournament to look at. So, what do we know? So we know it's been played, I think, the last four years, um, you know, part of the, it's now obviously an Asian tour event this week, but previously has been a DP World Tour event. And we also know that it's going to be the finale of the new live golf season here in Saudi. So it's Royal Greens Golf and Country Club. It's a par 70, just a shade over 7000 yards. So, you know, a relatively easy DJ type course. Dustin Johnson absolutely loves it here. Um, but, you know, there's not much that you can actually find out there about Royal Greens, really. Um, but it was designed by the EGD, which is the European Golf Design, um, sort of, I think, around about 1992. But it is classed as one of the best golf courses in the Middle East area. But, you know, we're, we're looking, as you would do with Saudi, everything is manicured beautifully the fairways and the green so and you know there's some lake and water features around so yeah that, that's a few features about royal greens country club and we will see it twice this year right well yeah for me this is, this is one tricky tournament to assess with players coming off a break and we have yeah. no idea where the game is at we have players that have been compet competitive of late especially last week so i'm going to crack on and i'll get my i've got two picks just two picks for this tournament this week my first one is an Englishman, Sam Horsfield. He had a great start to the 2022 event with a 64, but then he suffered an injury forcing him to withdraw. If Sam is feeling it, he can get at this course again. And at 66 to 1 or 50 to 1 without DJ and Cam Smith might be enough to entice you towards this Englishman. Now, my second pick is a man you know I love, um, and I, I'm going to back him. It's Bryson DeChambeau, a new man, a new man, it seems, bro. He regrets bulking up and has slimmed down and seems in a happier place. Sometimes men take a long time to grow up. He's 29, and I reckon this is the year of Bryson. We know he has the game. He's a bloody major winner and a multiple winner on the PGA, with his last being the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Now, 33 to 1 for Bryson DeChambeau is huge in my mind, but we shall see. He's played well here in the past with an 18th in 21. 
but had to withdraw last year. He's lost some bulk, he's swinging well, and his hand is healed, and I'm on him. I, I thought you might be, and and I'm actually with you this week, to be honest with you. So that, that's good on your picks. I think you you cannot deny the the chances, obviously, of as the this is almost like Dustin Johnson's backyard. You know, in the last four years that he's played at Royal Greens Golf and Country Club, his scoring average has been sixty six point eight one. I mean, that is phenomenal by any standard. So DJ owns this place. However. Cam Smith, I think we played it last year. He had a good finish, didn't win. But DJ and Smith absolutely have to be up there. And they're 7-1 to one DJ, 8-1 to one Cam Smith. So whatever you're playing, you've got to play the market without those two. And that's what I'm looking at this week. So I'm with you on Bryson. I think the 25-1 to one on offer without Smith and Johnson is an absolute standout price. You know, Bryson's scoring average... I think he's played it in 2019 and in 2021 is 67.62. So not far behind DJ, a shot right per round. So he's got to be up there. And if you are right by what you're saying, he's, you know, he, he's lost a bit of weight. He's not happy with how he bulked up and he can bring his golf game back. There's no reason why Bryson cannot feature this week. So I think 25 to one is a bargain price. My, other thinking around this tournament is um, Eugenio Lopez Shakara won last year on the Live Tour, as we know. Now, 24 hours ago, he was 90 to 1. He's now 60 to 1. I think the bookmakers priced him up wrong. And I think they've probably, you know, already taken a bit of a batter in on Shakara being backed. And he's now trading 60 to 1. 45 to 1 without Smith and Dustin Johnson. So, Shakara, I think, you know, has certainly got the game. And that win last year on the Live Tour will have benefited him. And I think Mito Pereira, again, obviously, we think he's probably the next contracted Live player that's going to come out, given that he wasn't given the release. He's here. He's 30 to 1 outright or 20 to 1 without the two big players. So, it's DeChambo, Shakara, and Pereira for me without Smith and DJ. Yeah, definitely. It's it, Pereira. It has to go. He hasn't been released. He's not good. He's going to be fine. He's going to be told off, slapped his wrist. He's going. He's joining up with Joaquin Newman for sure. Right. So that's the, the, the tips and the picks for the Saudi international. We'll stay in the same sort of region. We're in the UAE. We'll go to the Raz Al Khaimah Championship at Al Hamra. Saw this place in consecutive weeks last year, bro. And the scoring was easy. First event was won by Nick Hoggard, Hoggard on 24 under. And a week later, Ryan Fox won on 22 under. Both these players hit it a country mile. So that tells me we should be looking at the boomers this week. Obvious, but needs saying. What can you add course-wise, bro? Yeah, interesting. So as you say, Alhambra Golf Course, um, you know, hosted Challenge Tour events here. Three years running, 16 to 18. We obviously saw two events being played here last year, as you rightly say. The course is just a shade over 7,300 yards longer to pass 72. Uh, the back nine is longer. It's similar to um, the Dubai Desert Classic in some ways as well. So, you know, I think we're going to see, again, depending on whether we've got tough weather conditions, windy conditions, which we know can pick up, certainly in the afternoons within the UAE, this part of the world, um, it'll be interesting to see whether that plays out. Obviously, last week's tournament was affected by weather. 
I don't know whether you've been able to look at the weather, but let's assume we haven't got any weather problems. Then we're looking at, you know, a relatively easy course, lots of birdies, lots of eagles, coastal vibe, plenty of water on the holes, but certainly, you know, a course that you would like to think is going to favour the longer hitters. But that's a little bit around Raz Alkheimer Championships. Why don't we get into our picks? Have you got any? Yeah, I have got some. And just a bit on the wind. Um, it's actually going to be it's going to be fine. It's going to be a bit of natural wind that comes into that area, but nothing really to, to annoy the players too much. And a lot of the time, the direction of the wind helps on this course, a lot of the holes, hence why you see a lot of birdies. Right. I'll get into it then. I have got some picks for this Raz Alkaima. And I'll start with the obvious one for me. I'll go through mine straight away. I've got three. It's Ryan Fox for obvious reasons. He's won here before. The guy is an absolute beast. You know, he hits it a country mile. He's, he's getting his all-round game. is fantastic. He's had a fantastic couple of years. The Kiwi lad will take some beating here this week. Second pick for me, Adrian Else. He may feel he would prefer to be at Royal Greens where he's played quite well, but he's here where he's also played well. He had a strong week in Dubai and this will really suit his eye and game. And at 33 to 1, Adrian House is big. My final pick is a big price, but he's a big hitter, Xander Lombard. We know he's a big hitter, but played well here last year and could have won it, was it not, for some sloppy play in rounds one and three. 110 to one for a man that will score well is huge. He just needs to keep those silly bogeys off his card. Silly bogeys. Oh, Xander Lombard. Yeah, big hit in Xander Lombard. Bid price. Absolutely. Okay, like those plays. Right, I'll just give you my thoughts around picks for this week to close us out. Uh, Razal Kaima and... It's an interesting one. I, I looked at this tournament a bit harder than I normally would, just because, you know, obviously we are on the Middle East stretch. We had two tournaments last year. And the first call out I want to make is you've got both twins, the Hoygaard twins are playing this week. What was interesting to me was Rasmus is only 107th in the, the official world golf rankings and his brother is 136. Now, that surprised me when I was looking at it because I thought they would be higher in the official world golf rankings, but they're not. And they worry me because Nikolai had good form, obviously, at the Hero Cup. Um, you know, he didn't feature really in terms of, you know, the, the last couple of events. And Rasmus has just come back from an injury. So they worry me, but I'm steering away from them this week. And you mentioned Ryan Fox. Obviously, you know, he's a winner here. Didn't back it up, I think, the following week. But, you know, he, he worries me as well, as does Adrian Moronk and uh, Victor Perez, previous winner. So my picks are all going to be without the the three of those players that I just called out, with the exception of I am playing Victor Perez outright. I don't think you can move away from this guy right now. He is playing some hot golf, right? Obviously, he won in Abu Dhabi a couple of weeks ago, tied 28th last week. His form here on the Challenge Tour events in 17 and 18, both top 10. So he clearly likes this course. And when you've got a guy in form who likes the course, a winner last year, 12th at the DP World Tour Finals last year, he's absolutely banging form. 61st world ranking, Victor Perez, 18 to 1. Second play for me this week is uh, Tristan Lawrence, South African. 
He's got winning pedigree. Obviously, we see him win at the Amiga European Masters and the South African Open recently. And he had six top tens in 2022, including a course that's going to be on the rotor in a few weeks time at Kenya, where he had a tied second. So he was tied 20th last year here with rounds of 72 68 67 68 so clearly got better as the the tournament went on and he's a big price at 30 to 1 in my opinion so i'm playing perez outright lawrence in the without which has got perez in it so my third play is another frenchman it's mathieu pavon and i think he's a big price at 60 to 1 i won't talk too much about him you know you can look at some of the stuff that he's done uh, in the last year, and he had a tied 28th at Yaz Links recently. So I do think his game's in a place where he could feature this week. And my fourth and final play here in the UAE to see us out is Spanishman Victor at Valderrama. It's Adrian Otegi. Yeah, slow start in 2023 in the UAE, but if he can bring some of last year's back end form um, and play some of the stuff he played at Valderrama, 25 to 1 in the full without market without those three big players is an enticing price. And they're my four plays, bro. Brilliant. Well, you know, if anyone wants to get those picks again, you can either listen back to this or you can find them on our socials when we'll be posting them later on, either tonight or tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. I I think that wraps it up, bro. I think it's been a, a great episode again. Fantastic to get Lee Crumble home from www.winninggolfmind.com sports psychologist specializing in golf it was great to chat to him always great to chat to you i can't wait to see you put those um those mind techniques into action on the golf course uh join us next week when we're dp world tour will be in singapore for the singapore classic at laguna national golf resort and it's get your tits out on the pga tour because we're going to the waste management phoenix open so that's going to be an exciting tournament, as it always is. <laughs> and if you've got anything else to say, I think we should let the listeners go. Yeah, I think we'll let them go and they can hear the lovely tones of Peter Alice. Ah, no, the lovely tones of me this week. Playing us out oh. is my song all about Reed and Rory from Radiohead's The Creep. Here's our latest parody. Hope you enjoy it. We'll speak to you next week.
on our faces Don't care if I ruined Your Christmas Eve It was just a subpoena Like G-Max I hear I know you don't miss me When I'm not around But I've got a green jacket Oh, you'd love a green jacket So I throw teas I play live golf What the hell am I doing here I'm one of the aces He likes to rip off his shirt His shirt And he gets so angry Monaghan makes you happy Get whatever you want Oh, you think you're so special I was special But I throw tease And I play live golf What the hell am I doing here I'm one of the aces I'm one of the aces